everyone. Welcome to Backstory Sessions. I'm your host, Matt. We hope you enjoy this episode. Welcome you to this episode of Backstory Sessions. I'm joined today by my co-host, Matt. Hey, Matt. Hey, Kat. Hey, everyone. How are you? A really interesting episode that we have today, Matt. Yeah, for sure. I mean, have you ever, like, thought about what it would be like if, as a child, um you had to flee to another country? Uh, I mean, I'm sure there's been times I wish I could. (laughs) I mean, I think everybody, like, wants to visit another country, but, like, I don't know, to have to change your whole life, leave everything behind, and just, um... You know, go start over in another country where everything is, like, completely different for you. That must be a challenge, I think. Yeah, I mean, it was kind of like that for me when I moved to Kentucky. I mean, I didn't flee New York, but, I mean, you know, it was kind of like starting over in a new place with basically not a lot. Well, and definitely... um I mean, of course, it's it's still all the same country, like you said, but um, there is definitely a difference in the pace and culture and um, their basic accents, for sure. Yeah, that's kind of what I was getting at. I mean, it's not quite the same, but it's similar. I mean, you know, I, I mean, a lot of people have had to move because of, you know, uh, political upheaval in their country. I mean, Ukraine is like that now. There's a few million refugees scattered across the world now because of what's going on there. Well, when you think about, too, like, um, you know, people that have, like, um, let their children come to the country to escape um, you know, from whatever, and they get separated, and uh, so there are a lot of situations where people do change countries. Um, even true. in wars, a lot of um, military people, you know, meet their potential, their spouse to be, I guess, um, and they leave everything behind and come back with them. So, um, is it, was it hard for you? I wouldn't say it was hard. I mean, it was just different. I, I've moved around a lot in the last uh, last six, seven years. And, uh, you know, I I moved from New York to Virginia to back to New York and here. And then I moved a couple different places in each of those areas. So, I mean... It's just been a lot of change, and I wouldn't say it was difficult. I mean, it's not like I had to learn another language, really. So, um, it, do you think that children maybe adapt easier? I would say that that's probably true. I mean, you hear stories about kids who are just like, you know, homesick and you know, can't assimilate into a new environment the way that you would expect they would. But I don't know that that's the norm. I mean, I would think that parents have it more difficult. And if you think about it, like in, you know, when I guess it was, I don't, I don't know exactly what time period, but like when, when a lot of people were coming to New York, you know, you see the pictures of the boats loaded with immigrants coming to Ellis Island and, you know, that sort of thing where they didn't know anyone. But, I mean, there were communities in and around New York where 
people would congregate, like, you know, Little Italy or Chinatown or that sort of thing. So there was a sense of community that way. But, I mean, just a, you know, a, a family coming to the U.S. and being relocated to the middle of Iowa, I mean, that might be a little bit different than having that sense of community uh, as some of these people did in, in the past. Well, it's a fascinating interview we've got coming up because uh, Wes Hurley is our guest and um, he's going to be able to tell us about his experience with coming to the U.S. from USSR as a young child and um, also his mother, um, you know, coming with him. So we'll get to hear like a little bit about what it was like for her as well. It's going to be fascinating. I've got a lot of questions. Yeah, and his movie uh, coming out, or is it out yet? Yes, it is actually out now, uh, video on demand. So um, people should be able to, um, wherever they uh, stream movies, they should be able to find it. Uh, Potato Comes to America. And it, and it's, we, we it, both see it, yeah. Yeah, and it's about his, basically the way, you know, how he ended up coming here and things that he went through in getting here. It, that's the general gist of the story. Yes, and he um, he wrote the movie. It's based on his life, and he also directed it. So. Um, you know, just a lot of fascination with this. Yeah, it was, I mean, I remember watching it, and it was definitely really good, I thought. Uh, And I know you felt that way, too. Um, I did. So, yeah, let's uh, get to the interview and talk to Wes and see what his thoughts are on coming to America. Let's do it. Wes, I want to welcome you to Backstory Sessions. We're so excited to have you as our guest today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited to be on. Well, I have to say that um, Potato Dreams of America is, I just loved it, really. Um, You know, I didn't really know what to expect when I um, just read the title. So, um, watching it was so different than I thought it would be. So my, I guess my first question is, um, you know, is truth stranger than fiction? Because this is based on your real life. Yeah. I mean, in my case, I think it is. And I, um, I made a, um, you know, strong effort to keep it very faithful to events from my own life. So I like to say it's 99%, you know, autobiographical. Um, the only way that it veers off from real life is I, I think any creator that's made a, you know, a book or a film of true life story, you realize you have to condense things. And so that's what I had to do a lot, you know, not include every person in my life or every event in my life, but other than that, I try not to make anything up and um, had conversations with my mom about her experiences so I could represent them accurately as well. Um, um, was she in favor of you putting all of this out there? Yeah, she was really, she was really open to it. She even, uh, a few years ago, I made a short documentary because I've been trying to make a fe- this feature for many years and that was a challenge and um, a few years ago I made a short doc version of our story and my mom actually was on camera talking about her experiences so that was scary for her because she was shy you know just trying to be on camera but uh, just me making this film was definitely something she very 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 much supported the whole time and very grateful for that. Um, did you know all along it was going to be a dark comedy type? Um, because it's a serious, I mean, these are really serious issues um, that, you know, that take place as you grow up. And 
yet there is that uh, humorous kind of spin in places all throughout the film. Yeah, it was really important for me to make it a dark comedy. I, I feel like for me as an audience member, I'm more receptive to um, things uh, when there's humor, it disarms you, it makes you more open and vulnerable in a way, at least in, in my perception. And so I wanted to keep it funny and sort of balance out all the, you know, there's a lot of darkness and a lot of challenging things happening in the film and I wanted to balance it out with humor. And I think that's true to reality too, as people, you know, in real life, like my mom, you know, she always had this kind of biting dark sense of humor. I think it's a survival mechanism for people and you have to kind of laugh at stuff as it happens. Um, so the character of Jesus, um, or Jesus-like character, um, did you receive any criticism for that? Um, I haven't really. I think maybe if this movie came out, I don't know, 10 years ago, 20 years ago, but um, have not. it has not been controversial. Um, it's... You know, I was wondering how it would be received because it's sort of, I think it's a loving portrayal of Jesus, but it's definitely irreverent. And um, yeah, I had no idea, but no, I haven't seen any backlash. So where did that character, like what made you decide to include him? Was that something, like was religion something that helped you through some periods definitely i mean i would say religion you know for me as a kid it was definitely part of the survival mechanism and it was something you know in the soviet union uh as it was kind of falling apart and it, christianity was very much associated with at that time associated with freedom uh, in the West and Western popular culture. And so it was all sort of in that same realm with, you know, American culture and capitalism and freedoms that we didn't have. So it had very positive connotations for me um, and my family. And I was definitely, you know, as a lonely kind of um, anxious kid, having you know jesus in my life in that way that i you know i put him in the film literally as sort of this imaginary friend but it definitely was helpful for me as a kid and what was it like um in the soviet union so what period of time i guess are we talking about in history here well i was born in 81 so okay. you know i remember you know, sort of the later, the, 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 the ending part of Soviet Union, sort of the, its last, its last day, so to speak. Um, my family was very political, very anti-communist. And so I just remember those conversations really early on in my life and my grandma taking me to like protests and things. So it was, it was sort of in in my life, even when I was really young. And then, um, of course, when the Soviet Union collapsed, that was a pretty fast, uh, kind of fast, sudden event. And it was very dramatic. And it was at first very exciting and very hopeful because, you know, people thought that we would get, um, you know, all of the freedoms and all of the opportunities that people had in the West. and. Um, suddenly there was freedom of you know religions freedom of speech and freedom of assembly and so it was really exciting at the time i can imagine that was a big change very very dramatic and very shocking change i mean it's like your whole everybody's worldview suddenly shifted you know it was it just it was very surreal so your mom i I love the character of your mom. Thank you. So strong. Um, and and so you know she's smart. I mean, so this is the way I see her. 
is like she's smart and she's funny um but she's also like determined that you're gonna have a better life and so is i guess is she or was she like the most important person in your life at at the young age is she all those things or was she she i mean she wasn't she she very much is still and she's my hero and she's somebody that i i really think of the film as sort of this you know ode to amazing mothers everywhere who've done you know there's many mothers like my mom who've done so many things to like protect their kids or save their kids from you know especially if you think of immigrants and refugees and people who have gone through this kind of ordeal um yeah my mom is amazing she's definitely a hero of mine she's very brave very funny uh she's been through a lot but you wouldn't be you know you wouldn't tell just by looking at her she's just kind of <laughs> like a very cute funny light-hearted person on the surface but you know she's been through a lot Matt, was that the impression that you had of her as well? Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, I, w- I was just wondering, like, did she talk with you about the decision to come to the U.S.? Yeah, we've we've had many conversations about it. I mean, I remember, you know, pretty early on when um, we realized, you know, we both kind of fell in love with American films. Right. And it was also happening um, at the time, at the same time that like things just gotten worse and worse in Russia, and um, a lot of those post-Soviet, you know, um, hopes that people had didn't materialize, and so um, it was pretty obvious that we didn't have a very good future there. And especially me, you know, I would have been drafted in the military, and I wouldn't right. have much of a future. And she. Um, started just looking for different ways there was like different lotteries to apply to and she she even you know she was part of this mail order by catalog for a japanese man at first and then somebody recommended her the american one so it was a long it was a long process and we were kind of through it together in a way you know like i would take her photos and that we would talk about it and, right you know like how does um, that work? So I mean, I'm curious because you said catalog. So, so I mean, how does it work? Well, so before you know, if you think about it as sort of the pre-internet dating uh, way, where you would, you know, I think both the man and the woman would separately pay some kind of fee, and then um, this catalog would be created, and so the guys would get a cat, you know, the guys in the States would get a catalog with like all those different women with their profiles and what they're looking for, their photos. And then the women would get the same thing. Um, and I think, you know, my mom just, re- I don't remember if he replied to my mom's ad or she replied to his ad, but they were pen pals, my future stepfather and my mom for many years. And, he eventually visited us in in Russia and stayed with us for like a month. Um, so you know, this is this is where I was saying, you know, in in the movie, it's not like I made anything up, but I had to condense stuff. So in the movie, it's uh, it it happens a lot faster, and I don't, you know, I don't show like the years and years when they were writing to each other because it would have, you know, right. there's just not enough time in the film to do that. But really, it was. Kind of a slow process. How how old were you when you came to the U.S.? I was sixteen. Oh wow, that must have been quite a culture shock for you in some ways. Uh, in every way, yeah. <laughs> it was a huge culture shock in every single way. Yeah, yeah. Were you excited to be coming to the U.S. or scared or? Oh, so excited! I mean. We literally wanted to come to U.S. so badly. I remember praying to God, like, you know, you can cut off my right arm. I would, <laughs> I would like anything. I would give anything to come Aww. here. 
So I was so happy. My mom and I were both so happy. We were so excited. It really didn't feel real for for many years. I mean, it just the fact that we were here it didn't feel real. And for my mom, I think because she came later in life, she still says that she has this sort of surreal feeling of like, you know, she's afraid she's going to wake up and she's going to be back there or something. Mm. Um, she still can't believe we're here. So it's, um, it was a, it was a really fun, exciting experience for us, but also, you know, very jarring in, in a good way, but you know, everything is so different. <laughs> like our lives are so different here. Hmm. Yeah. Um, did you struggle with like, uh, um, potentially putting too much of your life out there? I mean, like, did you... Sorry, can you, can you say that again? You were cutting out all that. Oh, I'm sorry. Did you did you struggle with, like, how much to put out there about your, you know, about your experiences and stuff like that? I mean, you know, was there a point when you said, ah, oh, well, maybe that's saying too much or something like that? No, not really. I mean, I tried to, again, for the sake of the story, I tried to condense it and sort of include things that make sense right. um, in the story, in this limited, you know, 90, I, I wanted the film to be sort of 90 minutes, not too long, not two hours or longer. And so it was just more like curating what, what goes into this film uh, that, helps tell the story but i i feel like with autobiographical stories you have like if you're not going to be completely honest there's no reason to even do it right it's like yeah pe people people want to read or watch those stories because they want the truth and authenticity and they want to re be able to relate to something in their own lives that's maybe you know not spoken about or whatever something that's different or or they want to learn about things that they don't understand. So it's, I feel like if you're not going to be honest about it, then there's no reason to write, right. write a memoir or make this kind of film. Hmm. So what, I know you were excited, you said, to come to the U.S., but um, what was your first impression? Like what, what thing do you remember most about when you first got here? You know, everything, everything was so different. We definitely, um, one of the things that I remember, I mean, this is just a general idea not a specific thing, but, you know, some people like my grandma would say like, oh, you've never, you know, you, you're just going there. You don't know. When they see movies, you have no idea if it's going to be like movies. And I remember, you know, called our grandma from the States and like, it's so much better than movies, you know, it's just it lived up to our expectations and much more. Um, but it was really every, I mean, everything about it, every, every little detail, you know, from seeing people on the street, like, not hostile, because that was something that I grew up with, you know, in, in Russia, as people in public, if you go out in public, people just, everybody's scowling, everybody looks angry, feel like waiting on a bus, people will elbow your way in and elbow you they want to marry you. That was just shocking to see people smile on the street. It almost <laughs> was like, oh my god, is this crazy guy smiling? On the <laughs> <laughs> but like, it was just shocking that people were nice, you know, and going to high school here and people, um, students were for the most part really nice, whereas my, my high school in Russia, it was just like, uh, you know, going to prison in a way, like, it was, was really violent and scary and hostile. Um, so all of those things that, you know, things that are maybe superficial, but they're important for quality of life, like, you know, just cleaner streets and greener streets and, uh, you know, stores that have everything that you could for and, you know, no electrical outages and running water <laughs> all of that had to make you know, life. So your stepfather, um, is, 
uh, not in the movie. We don't see the part where he comes to visit you in Russia, really. But, um, you know, what was your impression of him? Because it seems like from the movie, you know, that I think he's going to be like this really nice guy. And yeah. then I start to see, you know, like some controlling and um, like, you know, these thought processes that make me think like, oh, no, this is you know, maybe not going to be a good situation. So <laughs> what did, you know, what was it like with him? It was definitely, you know, our first impression when he visited us in Russia was that he was extremely nice. Um, and then when we came to the States, he was, a lot of the times he was nice and a lot of the times he was very strange, um, and I recently reconnected with his daughter, and we talked about you know, him having all kinds of serious mental issues. Um, so I kind of, I simply wiped that a little bit in the film, like I didn't dive too much into his mental illness because there's already so much going on in the film. I thought if I, if I make him totally <laughs> crazy, it would be just too much for the audience to process on this <laughs> short, short time frame of the film. Um, but he very, very disturbed and complicated person, you know, but also in many ways a good person and a kind person, but um, just very troubled. So, I mean, we're lucky because there's definitely worse scenarios with, you know, middle or bright situations where people are like physically abusive or whatnot. And that power dynamic, I think, when, when a person comes from another country um, and they can't go back, you know, it makes you so vulnerable. Um, and it makes you completely at the mercy of the person, you know, like we were at his mercy in a way. Right. And it's not, I think it's not a healthy dynamic for any relationship, right? Like when, <laughs> when one person has complete power over another person, it's kind of, it's tricky to navigate that. So I don't think, I, I don't believe my stepfather was on, pur on purpose sort of exploiting our fear and trying to, you know, be cruel on purpose. I really don't think that's what he was doing. But I think un unconsciously he recognized that, you know, he could get away with a lot worse. Like an American wife would just be like, okay, bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not putting up with this. I mean, how did your mom like deal with that? Because, you know, it's like he could. And, and I mean, he even... You know, it was always like a threat hanging over, like, you know, do things I want you to do and I'll send you back. Yeah. She, I tried to show it in the film. What she did was really try to, you know, the only, she didn't have a lot of power in that relationship. And so she tried to diffuse it by a lot of times kind of playing naive, you know, so it's, uh, I try to show that in the film where it's like, it's kind of hard to tell on one hand, she is, you know, she's in this new country. She doesn't speak English very well. So she is naive, but then a lot of that, she also plays up with her husband because it's kind of disarming and it makes him, you know, maybe feel less threatened by her and diffuses his anger. Um, so she tried to do it with humor and sort of this, almost childlike behavior, you know, which is weird for me to see because uh, my mom was so strong. And so, like, you know, in Russia, she had, you know, she was very sharp and she could like, you know, if some if some dude was hitting on her on the bus or something, she, she would like destroy him and with one sentence, like that's how <laughs> funny and like sharp and biting she was. And then uh, suddenly I saw her with my stepfather, like just completely a different person. But I, I understood why she was doing that. You know, she just had to protect both of us. And that was the only way that she could is, you know. Well, the video store, so and the mishap there. Um, I guess, 
you know, that is one of the moments where I'm wondering, like, is he going to beat you up? You know, I mean, what is going to happen? I was very afraid at that point in the film. So what was that really like when he finds out you've been watching this movie? You know, he's had a lot of, in the film, it's sort of like this one big moment in real life. It was a lot of sort of moments like that that were kind of building up to him threatening us to do something. He's definitely never been physically abusive. But, you know, the scary thing is that if he was, if he was going to try to be physically abusive, we would have put up with it because we that would have been much more important for us to stay in the country at any cost, you know? So, but fortunately he wasn't doing that, but, you know, emotionally abusive for sure. And, um, yeah. Does that, I mean, because when you say that, of course, it's very sad to me. Um, but I, I find that even people that are citizens in the U S um, stay in abusive relationships for the same reason that they don't really feel like they have any other choices. So it's better than being homeless or, you know, whatever the situation. Yeah. That must be so hard. Uh, I mean, so, but you, you deal with it, you know, in the film still, like you, you remain pretty positive. Um, which seems so hard to understand given, you know, the situation that you're like, you know, basically at the mercy of someone else, as you said. Yeah. I mean, this was sort of the weird paradox of our, you know, our first few years of being in the States is on one hand, just being like, okay, our biggest dream came true. We're in this country. We have all of these opportunities and freedoms that we wanted and the future that we wanted. And at the same time, we're completely <laughs> at the mercy of this one person. Uh, it was very difficult. So yeah, it was sort of try, you know, hard to reconcile this. And we were always in this weird state of like, on one hand, euphoria. And on the other hand, like this intense anxiety of like, what is he going to do? Um, because he was really, you know, like he was really kind of mentally unstable and would get riled up about things and sometimes we wouldn't even know what because of the language barrier we don't know what's going on it's just you know he's going through something and so it was it was a strange time to be like so extremely happy and extremely scared at the same time Hmm. i just wanted to point out that uh in the film uh the stepfather is played by dan loria who was uh, the father on the Wonder Years. Um, really excellent actor for sure. And did, I think he, he was really good in, in your film, I think. Oh, thank you. The casting was amazing. Um, like all of it, I felt like it was, but that, I mean, so that moment, Matt, let's talk about that moment. Um <laughs> Which because one, Kat? there's a moment that my, <laughs> you know, my jaw crossed open. I can't believe it. Yeah, yeah, I had the same reaction, but I, I don't know if we want to talk about that because I, I'm not sure if that would be giving too much away and of the plot. But uh, it was certainly a uh, shocking thing for sure. I'll, I'll just say we were as shocked as you know the audience members. It's like an interesting to watch it with an audience because you're kind of relieving my mom and I this moment um, with everybody else in the audience going, oh, you know, it's just <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely yeah. I can only imagine that being in real life and you, you know, your mom. I mean. That would have to be, like, one of the most shocking things that she experienced, I would think. And it was kind of, it was very strange and very meta, because she, my mom didn't come on set very often, but she happened to come on set during that scene. And so she was watching it as we were filming it, and she was just, 
you know, incomplete, sort of just mesmerized. And she was like, this is exactly how it happened. It's so strange to watch this because <laughs> this is exactly how it And she came up to the actors and was telling them that. And, of course, they were super happy that she felt, you know, that they had her approval. But, um, yeah, it's a very strange. Again, life is, you know, real life can be very yeah, interesting. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> and unusual. So um, you, there were different actors, of course, that played you in different stages, uh, and mm-hmm. you you directed this uh, as well. Yeah. So what's it like directing, you know, someone playing you? Yeah, I it was. I wouldn't say it was too different from directing anything else. I maybe for the actress it was a little more intimidating, but. Um, I didn't, I, my goal was to put everything I wanted to be in the film in the script and so that, you know, they have it. And I wasn't trying to get them to like impersonate me um, in any way, you know, so it's not, it's not like I'm a famous person and people need to be, you know, watching it and thinking, oh, is it just like Wes? <laughs> so it's more about our story and what happened to us and what we do in the film versus, you know, trying to imitate my you know my personality or who i am and the same with my mom but we did my actors and i would you know have meetings and i would talk to them and um the actresses who played my mom i showed them some videos of my mom um, and they actually they met my mom um but i you know again i told them like not to worry about try to trying to you know do an impersonation like that's not what i was interested in with the film it's more the story um but of course in a way like when i like tyler who plays the teenage potato or like the young man potato he when i auditioned him there's a lot of great actors that we auditioned but there's something about him that like reminded me of myself at that age and so you know that definitely resonated for me and made me want to cast him even more. Hmm. So it wasn't like you were saying, no, no, I would never say that, or I would never do that. <laughs> no, I mean, they have, I'm pretty, like, I don't, I'm not a fan of, like, actors improvising lines. So, you know, it's like everything that I wrote is in there. Ah, okay. If they, you know, nobody's, like, ad-libbing lines, but in terms of, in terms of trying to copy my mannerisms or anything. I mean, I tried to help them with certain big things, like just trying to explain to Tyler where I was at that point in my life and like being a teenager and the angst that you have as a teenager and, you know, the sort of not being very comfortable in your own body. Right. But in a way, I mean, he, he he's not that far from being a teenager himself, so I'm sure he could relate <laughs> anyway. Right. Right. Well, one thing that I remember, like, uh, we watched this um, several months ago, but one thing I remember wondering uh, if we had ever got to talk to you, and now we are getting to. So uh, so they speak English. The characters are speaking English well um, in the beginning of the movie, and then they mm-hmm. come to the U.S., and that's where the, um, you know, the... Um, accent i guess the language um sort of manifest itself for the first time yeah so what was that about like what made you make that choice yeah that was super important to me to to show like this sense of alienation and just being um almost like a child again when you come to a different country and you don't speak the language it 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 becomes such a barrier in many ways you know a barrier in some ways for my mom it also became a a way to protect herself from my stepfather because she could pretend not to understand the (laughs) you know very innocent and naive so it just those accents and that language barrier are such a huge thing in our lives uh, when we came to the states. I wanted to be as powerful and jolting for the audience as it was for us, and so I thought of you know Russian half of the film. It takes place in this sort of more stylized magical realism um, 
world because I think, you know, as a, I love magical realism and coming of age stories because I think it kind of fits with how you see the world as a child or how you remember things as a child. You know, they're kind of bigger than life and they're kind of uh, heightened. Um, and I wanted it to feel almost like if you're watching like Chekhov's play in the States, they wouldn't be speaking with Russian accents. They would just be speaking English because you're just following the story and the language in their own world, like the language doesn't have any significance. It just is. And there's no accents to signify that they're different or mm -hmm. signify that they're awkward versus when they come here, you know, it's a big jolt for us. And so I wanted it to be a big jolt for the audience as well. That was really well done. I, I thought, thank you. It, it's pretty cool to see, to, you know, at first I didn't quite get it, but I, you know, after thinking about it for a bit, I was like, oh, okay, I get that now. <laughs> Thank you. <coughs> so what was it like? So being gay, um, had you stayed uh, in the Soviet Union, what would life have been like just based, I mean, was that accepted at all later or is it now accepted or um i mean from what i understand and from what i read it's not it's still you know it's still a very bad place for gay people um i think in one way where life is easier for everybody now today um is maybe because of the internet i imagine i would have had access to things that i didn't have access you know to stories to history and news and things that um i just didn't have access so i i grew up in a world where like there was no i didn't understand what gay was really i had a very vague idea but i could sense that i was one of them but you know i had i was surrounded by so much like disinformation and hatred um, so it's extremely scary and i didn't think i would have any future i didn't think i would ever like no, I basically was prepared to live my entire life, you know, not coming out and just pretend to be somebody else. And that was what my plan was for the rest of my life. So that's really heavy and depressing for a child to take in. Um, and so, of course, you know, that's one of the kind of be beautiful things of coming to the States. As soon as I came to the States, I sensed a difference uh, in how things were like things were changing here already in the way that there weren't in the state in in russia you know like our teachers had like safe science safe school science and classrooms and that made me extremely it just like blew blew me away but you know that was something that teachers acknowledged and were saying to LGBT students, like, you're safe. Even though I wasn't out in school, but just, you know, just knowing that um, yeah. these teachers didn't hate me, it was, like, <laughs> it was very uh, kind of life-changing to, to realize that I wasn't, like, this monster that everybody hated. Or they weren't going to turn you into someone and whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Um, have you ha I assume you have not been back to Russia since. I would never go back. No, I definitely. My mom and I both have like PTSD about it, especially my mom. But yeah, I, yeah, I, I have no interest. Um, I, I wasn't sure if you still had family there and you were in touch and that sort of no, thing. No, my grandma. Unfortunately, my grandma passed away. She was like the only family that I kept in touch with there and. Um, some of my other family have immigrated to Canada since then, and like there's nobody there that I okay. still keep in touch. So it, it's not a hard thing for me to like right. not visit. I must visit the motherland. <laughs> Say it again. I must visit the motherland and you know see see my roots and all that stuff. Yeah, you're not feeling that way. <laughs> no. What was it like for your grandmother to? be away from you like there was no you know facetiming and zoom and you know it was hard it was really hard for her you know and 
they, I mean, you can tell from the film, my mom and my grandmother had very kind of turbulent relationship. <laughs> um, so we weren't exactly like, you know, inviting her to come live with us, but, <laughs> um, she did come visit us several times and stayed for quite a bit. And oh, cool. it was really interesting to have her perspective changed, you know, and things like she really changed a lot of her views towards the end of her life, which was kind of a cool thing to see. Mm. She had, you know, she was from like the old Soviet era. So she was really brainwashed about, you know, America being horrible and, uh, a lot of different prejudices, pre, pre, you know, biases and prejudices. And right. she kind of worked through it after visiting us and was like, would would tell me later that she was trying to convert, you know, other old ladies in her neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> they would have conversations and she would say, no, America is great. America is nice. You know, and kind of counter whatever propaganda they were being fed there. Hmm. So what was it about American movies that mesmerized you so much at a young age? I mean, I think, you know, primarily for the contrast, I think, with Russian films at the time was that American films were really, there was a sense of hope and potential opportunity and, you know, that good things are going to happen to you if you strive for them and that i mean that kind of i think you know symbolizes sort of the idea of american dream in general but in in films it's sort of distilled and exaggerated and it was so opposite of our reality that it really inspired us um because what happened with uh, you know russian movies i think Potato says at one point, like, our lives are like Russian movies, nothing good ever happened. Uh, what happened with Russian films at the time is when, um, you know, like early Soviet Union, filmmakers were forced to make propaganda films that were just communist propaganda films. Mm-hmm. And then when things started to open up, I think the filmmakers were excited to just be artists and to just, you know, portray terrible things that they weren't able to portray before. And so uh, this new Russian cinema was created. I think it was called sort of black cinema because it was so dark and it was all negative. And it was sort of, you know, our lives were already very challenging. And then you turn on TV and if there's a movie, you know, it's just going to depress you even more. And so it was nice to escape into things like, you know, Curly Sue or Steel Magnolias or <laughs> Big Business or whatever it is, you know, that we'd be able to catch there. It just offered like a window into a different kind of life and that was really exciting. Do you think that you and your mother have achieved your American dreams? Absolutely. Yeah, I really, really couldn't be happier with or feel more fortunate than you know what how my life worked out i'm really 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 fortunate because i recognize that there's a lot of you know potatoes out there who haven't right. had their chance to yeah. escape right. and find a better life hmm. i was just curious if you know you i mean i don't know if pe- people ever achieve everything that they set out to but uh you know are you doing the things that you want to do and is life as you imagined it would be is it actually that way i guess is what i was yeah i mean it's definitely i think it's more about you know it's like they say the pursuit of happiness right it's like the opportunity to pursue happiness and i i have that here as a filmmaker as a gay person as just a just as a person in -hmm. general Whereas there's many places in the world where just just even that is not possible, you know. Right. So it's uh, I'm very mindful of the fact that I'm like I'm lucky. Like I remember what things could be like. Yeah, yeah. So, what kind of films um, mesmerize you now? 
Oh my gosh. I don't know. I love, I, I love film and I watch so many different kind of films and like, I don't really discriminate. I mean, I think the only thing I don't get into are like war, war films, but just about everything else I love. I really, I don't know what it is, but as I get older, I'm really falling more and more in love with older films, like sort of golden age of Hollywood and I'm trying to rewatch a lot of those older kind of classic films. Yeah. Just just the way they're shot, just the you know, they're they're stylized in a way and the acting is stylized in a way, but they're really beautiful um in a way that I don't feel like movies are made that way anymore. Yeah, I kind of saw that in in your movie um the scenes of the apartment in Russia, it mm-hmm. kind of reminded me of like the honeymooners, sort of. Mm-hmm. You know, very stark. Uh, you know, not a lot going on as far as uh, props and scenery and mm-hmm. stuff like that. But uh, kind of reminded me of that when I was watching it. Yeah, I'm sure all of those influences like find their way in. Consciously or unconsciously, for sure. So, was writing or directing um, more fulfilling to you? Um, I mean, it's it's hard to, for me. It's like one because I I write for myself and I direct my own stuff. It it feels like the same thing, you know, like different stages of the same thing. So I don't even separate them in my mind like when i start writing i picture the whole movie in my head so like i know exactly what how it will be shot like what i want the college to look like what i want the set to look like so you're thinking of all that as you're writing so it's already in my head when i'm writing so it feels like i'm already making the film um i mean i think it's very i guess directing is exciting in the sense that like oh it's actually happening you know because it takes so much effort to pull it all together and so to be on set and to know that okay i got all of these people to to be on board and to help me and to collaborate and it's actually happening that that's super exciting but there's something really exciting about like early stages on writing too because it, it feels so kind of magical and it's still in your head and it's like just so full of possibility So what do you, when you first saw the film, like the very first time after it was completed, what was your initial reaction? You know, it's hard because I also edit my own stuff. <laughs> <laughs> so when, when you edit your own work, you never have that moment. Um, I mean, Where I would be curious, that- maybe someday I would have like some I, li- I like editing my own work, but maybe if I had an editor and just gave it away, I would have that experience of like, oh, but I don't have it because I've, you know, when you edit and I've edited for months and it, you know, you see so many versions of it and you keep redoing it and redoing it. And, and it's, so it's, it kind of gets like, you don't, you don't get that one moment where it's like, you don't yeah. get that sense of revelation because you've been like molding it the whole time. Hmm. I mean, the closest to it is seeing it finally with a big audience, I think, because you, you sort of vicariously experiencing it through them and you're like, oh, okay, they're laughing at this or they're gasping at this or they're not laughing at this. So it's, I, I think that's probably the closest to having sort of an aha moment for me is sharing it with a lot of people but has there been anything that the audience um you know reacted in a different way than you expected yeah i think i mean it it helps to see it with different audiences because it's funny how like each audience is its own weird microcosm and you you notice like several people in the same audience will laugh at this joke and then the next audience a bunch of people will not laugh at this, but laugh at the other jokes. So it's always really curious how that happens. Like, 
um, why you know I mean I've, I've, every audience we've had has been really really responsive and great but it, it is always different so that's funny I think there's one line that I I think is really funny to me kind of in a dark humor sort of way but it's really gets a laugh and that's when my mom writes a letter to her future stepfather and she says um, I work in prison I don't love it uh, and she says something like sometimes they pay me and sometimes they pay me <laughs> and that was like that's reality of you know like in in Russia people wouldn't get paid for several months like or sometimes a year like our high school teachers didn't get paid for like a year wow. so it's just re and I don't know if people just don't you know it's so far removed from their reality that they don't don't get it but people don't laugh but to me it's really funny because it's kind of um I mean it's kind of sad funny like sometimes sometimes they pay me yeah <laughs> cat's a retired english teacher so uh <laughs> and drama <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> so i'm sure she can't imagine not getting paid for a year <laughs> uh no <laughs> <laughs> Cannot. Um, but, you know, I think that's one thing with a film like a, a lot of us, I don't think, can relate to many of the things of the way it was uh, or, you know, the way that you described it early on. Like, what would that life be like? Because I think it's very foreign to, mm -hmm. to many of us that didn't grow up, you know, like in that way um but what do you hope that people take away from it i think for me it's like uh you know like right now the country is so divided and there's a sort of i feel like there's a sense of pessimism on across the board and i from an immigrant per perspective because i know a lot of immigrants like myself have had who, you know, for whom American dream is very much a life. Um, and I want to remind people that, yes, there's hope and to be, you know, to be resilient and to be strong and to be hopeful and to laugh uh, at your challenges and to overcome and just be, you know, believe in this country and what it can do. Mm. Definitely good advice. I mean, I just have to say, like, you need to be plastered on, like, <laughs> the news every day or something because you're so... I mean, I do think we take it for granted after a while, and it's like, you know, we just focus on the negative, and we don't really think about how fortunate um, that we are. Um, so hearing you say all these things, you know, it, it does make one makes me at least feel like very positive um and, and and i just think i wish that people could hear your message like every day and actually oh, thank you on the podcast they can like good do you feel that way matt like i mean you know, i was uh you know i know a little bit about the well I, I've been to Ukraine and, uh, you know, I know a little bit about the people there and the culture and stuff like that. And it's very similar in some ways to Russia, I think. Mm -hmm. um, so, I mean, I, you know, I, yeah, it is a positive message, um, definitely. Um, Oh, so uh, I guess the next thing is the movie is out or it's coming out or um, what's the what's the deal with that? Yeah, so we uh, the film um, is out on VOD and DVD and it's now available for pre-order on VinegarSyndrome.com. It's a beautiful limited edition Blu-ray with a ton of special features, interviews with our amazing cast. Um, behind the scenes, director's commentary. There's like other films that I've done on it as well. Um, so I'm really excited for it. I think Vinegar Syndrome is one of those boutique physical media labels that do like a really beautiful job right. releasing 
uh, mostly older films, but so I was really thrilled to have to have them partner up with our distributor, Dark Star, and do this release because it's really special. That's awesome. So what what's next for you? Um, I'm writing my next uh, feature, uh, and I'm also really interested in kind of getting into horror. So I'm I'm looking for horror scripts uh, to do and. Seattle, um, but yeah, so that's, I'm still babysitting this film a little bit because it, you know, like, there's a lot that goes on with the film after it's done, I feel like. Sure, <laughs> sure. A lot more work sometimes after you finish it than actually making it. Yeah, a lot of promotion and stuff like that, I imagine. Yeah. <coughs> All right, Kat, do we want to ask him the uh, about the... Yes. Okay, please. go ahead. So we, we end our podcast. Um, it's a new thing that we started at the end of last season uh, where Matt and I both have thought of a question which probably will not relate to the interview at all. Uh-huh. And so you get to choose Matt's question or Kat's question, um, but we don't tell you the question, of course, until after you choose. Mm. Okay, I'll go with Kat's question. Ooh. Don't be offended, Matt. Uh, no, not at all. <laughs> <laughs> you may regret it, but I'm not offended. <laughs> okay. <laughs> no, so you're the first one actually to get this question because I've changed up my question. Oh, wow. I did not even know all that. All right. All right. Uh, what is something that you think you're better at than you probably really are? Oh, man. Maybe my social skills. <laughs> uh, yeah, sometimes I wonder. Like, uh, I mean, so you, you think you've developed, like, you know, pretty good social skills and you've made... I don't know, I think I've had, like, a lifelong kind of obsession of, like, so, so like, overanalyzing myself in social situations and... I feel like I worked on myself to get less awkward, but then once in a while I'm like, am I really less awkward than I was you know, 20 years ago? Or am I just more clueless and confident but not better? Well, that's a very good answer. So thank you for answering my question. <laughs> You're so welcome. Um, I have one more for you. Um, yeah. Uh, so is there someone that you would like to work with in the future that like you know just you know well I don't, an actor or someone like that that you'd really like to cast in one of your movies or something yeah i mean there's so many but you know a person that i really want to work with uh, one one of me is Rooney Mara. I just really like her work, and I, mm. um, I think she's very unique, and I just love her presence that she brings to the screen. And have you had chan- a chance to talk with her at all? And no, you... okay, no. I wish if you have her <laughs> number, please. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll like tag her. And yeah. <laughs> We had we had someone on who you know he's he's a pretty well known uh, actor, and um, he was saying that there was someone that he wanted to meet. You know, he really had really wanted to talk to her and stuff. And he had had like three occasions where you know he was standing right next to her and still couldn't say hello. So oh wow, it's kind of interesting, but. Yeah, it's it's interesting to meet your heroes so, yeah. or people you really like or are famous. Yeah. You All right, Kat. How it's gonna... All right, Kat, anything else? Well, just that it's, I'm so happy that you came on the podcast because... You know, I've I've had all these questions in my head ever since I watched the movie, and now I feel like I understand. Um, and have answers to a lot of those questions. So I, I really appreciate that you, 
you have an amazing story. It's very um, inspirational, and it's um, it's just an honor to have you as a guest. Oh, the honor is all mine. Thank you so much for having me on. It's yeah, we 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 really appreciate it. Uh, I know you're, you know, a pretty busy guy, and uh, you know, uh, got got a few things going on, and uh, we're happy you took time to come by and chat with us. It's been interesting. Of course. And love the movie. I hope it's a big success for you, and uh, you know, people go out and see it and stuff. And Thank a shout so out to your mom. I have to say that too because <laughs> she's an amazing woman and character. Thank you. Yeah, she is amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. As always, if you have any questions, concerns, or comments, you can send those to Cat at IWritePlease at Outlook.com. Or you can write to me at BackstorySessions at gmail.com or Matt at Level11Ventures.com. Thanks for listening and we'll talk to you soon. Take care.